0: Welcome back to Season 2 of the Aware Podcast. In this global podcast, Nikki and Sarah your hosts, chat to inspirational guests who've all had a breakthrough moment in either life, leadership or business. We share our adventures as we talk through the moments, courage, laughter and insight. A big thank you to all our listeners and we hope that you're going to enjoy Season 2 as much as you did Season 1. Don't forget like review, subscribe and share to keep us moving forward. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Welcome to another special edition of Aware. Today, um, this is a discussion on people that we have in our lives, either in the workplace or socially, that are a little bit difficult. Um, And again, we are on a lovely break, so we hope you enjoy a change of pace before we introduce our new guests for 2022. Um, Big thank you to Bella Hayward from the D Word podcast, who's doing our editing and making our lives so much easier. Hello listeners around the world, welcome Singapore. America and of course good old Australia. I'm sitting here in Melbourne. It's a beautiful winter day. Our lockdown is easing although the rest of Australia is really struggling so a big shout out there. Uh, Nikki is still on leave at the moment looking after herself. Big hi Nikki. I hope you enjoy today's episodes which means that I'm on my lonesome here. I am going solo. So what I thought it would be talk about something that always comes up whenever i do a workshop or i invest in any conferences and it doesn't matter what the topic is this is something that people really really struggle with and it is difficult people in the workplace now we say workplace but really most of us have met these people socially as well so i'm going to go through my top 10 and my top 10 is based on the people i've met in the workplace and the people that i've been asked to come in and manage or the people that have been drawn to my attention through these workshops or conferences and things like that. So these are the 10 types of difficult people that test even the best of us. And here's the thing I'm going to challenge you with. As I'm reading it through, I think the skill here and the takeaway would be to ask yourself, which one do you fall into? Because I don't think these are unique to just a selection of people. Some of these characteristics we all can be easily led into or fall into. And if you are listening and think, oh my God, that sounds like me, or somebody has said that's like me, all I would recommend is, you know, grab that knowledge and work it, take it to a coach and do the work, learn how not to have those characteristics and be a braver and probably more functional and happier person in the workplace or even socially. Let's start with the buddy. This person is, oh look, I feel a bit empathic towards the buddy because they just want to be liked, like they really want to be that popular person. And it wouldn't be just in the workplace, it's in life. Now, I don't know what happened in their background, whether they were the, always the last one to be picked for teams, but They really want to be one of the team, but they want to be the team. So they want to be the focal point of all team engagements. Now, they're very, very kind. They always put their hand up. They're very self-sacrificing. They're the ones who bring in the food for, you know, morning tea, always checking in on people. So they have lots of very high social and positive roles. But they can, if not directed wisely, place these perceived friendships over their business and their roles. And this becomes problematic because when there has to be some constructive criticism or promotions, and they don't. Get the decision they want, or they feel that they're being unliked or challenged at all, they can then manipulate those friendships and use emotional blackmail, or you can be held in kind of a bizarre workplace emotional hostage situation because they take it way too personal. So, a good idea for a buddy is to be aware of that person in the workplace that wants to be liked and understand their investment is social. Is social, but understand too that if left to run amok, it can become very difficult and toxic. So, what do we do about the buddy? Well, we keep our boundaries very friendly but firm. Be clear about what the working relationship is so there can be no confusion. Start off as you mean to progress, and that's like in any relationship. Make the rules about how this is going to go very, very clear. Separate your own tasks from their needs. So ensure that you know what you're supposed to be doing and that those needs are not being directed or manipulated by the buddy. Divert highly personalized questions and conversations to more appropriate people or at least limit the content. You know there's a thing about being vulnerable means we have to share everything. That's not what Brene Brown meant at all. Being vulnerable means having the bravery to admit your faults, to stare at yourself in the mirror and understand the beauty of your imperfections. It doesn't mean oversharing and telling everyone everything about your life. Be supportive, but stop being a social worker. Watch your own need to be liked driver. Having a buddy can be very, very flattering because they just make you feel good because they want to do everything for you. But try and watch that because it doesn't help them and it does lead to that confusion about the amount of emotional investment they've put into you and the amount that you're giving back. Continue to hold discussions on the personal and professional roles at work I suggest everyone does that and encourage coaching to help their emotional intelligence allocate social tasks to fill their needs so these people are very good socially so get them on the social diaries and get them doing the fun stuff they'll feel really good but it will be fitting and a really great place to use their skills This next person is called the huff and puffer and I call them the huff and puffer because they are always huffing and puffing. They're always under the pump. You know the ones I'm talking about. They make sure that everyone knows that they're busy they can't relax and they can't sit and talk and they're just on. These people complain a lot about their workload and then take on other people's workloads. And the reason for this is that they are unable to do their own job. They are actually underperforming and struggling to keep up and by being busy helping others, they're hoping that that distraction does two things. One, it stops everyone seeing that they're not doing their job. And two, they can sit on the accolades of the success of others. Now, this is different than somebody like me, for example. And I had to think about this one with myself. But I do take on a lot of work. I know my staff say that to me all the time. But I enjoy the work. Like I love working and discovering and challenging myself. So it's not that I am trying to hide because <laughs> I did do an Internal check on that one so there is a difference between the person who really enjoys work and can conduct it and carry it out and the person who isn't performing at all They can be sabotaging the efforts of others by insinuating that they're inadequate. You know, a quiet little, oh, I had to help Joe out, you know, he was struggling to get that out on time. Or, yeah, yeah, I sat in on that meeting, I just felt that they needed just a little bit more direction. Watch the inflating of their worth while they are underperforming in their own job. Now, the huff and puffer needs a little bit of support here. They need their KPI workloaded to have expected timeframes. So, we want to avoid continually allowing them to work overtime. Reduce their tasks as soon as you see that they are under the pump and they are underperforming. Avoid agreeing with the gossip about the attributes of others. So make sure that while they're quietly and subtly undermining the efforts others have by placing themselves in job roles or in the projects, make sure that you are standing up for the other team and saying, no, I think they're very, very capable and I'll check in on why they needed you at this point. So try and deflect from agreeing with the abilities of others. Manage and monitor their task allocation. These people might need a bit of micromanagement. I'm not a big fan of that, but sometimes you need to be digging in there to see what the problem is. Request very formally that they complete their own work and stop taking on additional tasks. Have that in writing, explain it to them and make sure they understand that what you're trying to do is create the foundation for learning. So we want them to be able to complete the job that they've been hired for and the tasks that they've been set before they start running up levels trying to help other people. Create a dialogue on the job role and suitability of them moving forward. So start thinking about whether these people are promotable skill bases or whether they may need a sidestep or a different position or different job offer supportive direction or encourage them to get professional development to help them get organised and focused. Huff and puffers are usually really bad procrastinators so they have a lot of trouble starting and that means that they're always rushed and unable to complete. Ah the I got your backers. This lot are really they're the quiet underachievers indeed. They over espouse loyalty to you or your organisation but they are Dobbers. They're dibby-dobbers, me and my brother and sister used to call them. They tell tales. So they're always letting you know what other people are doing wrong or not finishing or saying. And they constantly are telling you how undervalued you are and underrecognized and how people aren't acknowledging all that you have done. They are very secretly raising their own profile by relations with different selected people. And what they're doing in that is making you look inadequate without them. So they will start to be saying things like, oh, she couldn't do that without me. Oh, the business would fold without me. You know the type. I've met a few of these people and I'm putting my hand up. I have been blindsided by these types before. They jokingly tell everyone you couldn't function without them, which isn't true. But it then gets that really awkward kind of, do I reprimand them for saying that? Do I argue against that? It's a very, very tricky kind of situation to be in. They see distrust and tension in teams. So they unsettle people because you can't work out what's really wrong, but something is. When challenged or criticised, they loudly highlight everything they have done to you as if it will balance out their poor performance or misconduct. They are very difficult people because they have been so secretive. The idea is to everyone, it looks like they have been incredibly loyal over you, but really behind the scenes, they are seeding your destruction. What to do about the I got your backers? Well, enforce the organisational value set. So make sure you're very clear about gossiping, about tittle or dibby-dobbing as I call it. Make sure that you are encouraging everyone to identify that kind of behaviour and that you have a process or a policy around it. So ensure that you can do those kinds of things. Have clear and active guidelines on gossip. Correct misinformation as it happens. So don't get caught up in the, oh, I don't want to have a moment. I don't feel like disagreeing at the moment. If you allow, I got your backers, to continually promote themselves over everyone else and challenge your authority. it will look like they're right about the relationship they've built with you, and that they are really that they are really in control here and they are the leader and you're sort of the puppet that they are busily supporting and organizing. Don't avoid conflict if it defines the boundaries and engage in professional team development with these people. Agree to have a clear process to discuss issues away from the staff room. So try and stop that kind of gossipy staff room behaviour that can go on address the issue of trust, transparency and honesty as value sets that you're going to uphold and you need to be seen to be upholding this and prepare the asset strategy for them. Basically, at this stage, if this is their conduct, they're in the wrong job. There isn't a honest and solid relationship between you and this person and you and the organisation. So they may do really well in some other business, but for some reason they are seeing you as a target and they are envious and destructive over your success. Paranoids. I think we've all met a few of these ones. So, paranoids are the everyone is out to get them or make their role difficult. They can select one team member or you as having negative personalised behaviour towards them. So, what really happens is there'll be maybe a minor conflict or disagreement or just a normal workplace challenge And they take that hyper-personally and then everything that person does from that point on then is an act of vengeance or an act of trying to make their role really, really difficult. If you can manage to resolve that conflict, they just target a new person. So whether it's a stakeholder, an employee, a consumer, management, you will find this person is in conflict continually. They are always unhappy until that target person is removed from the job. So it is an unrelenting paranoia that this person is deliberately out to get them and make their job very, very difficult. And it is irrelevant whether there's any proof or evidence. It's a perception they have and they are unrelenting until that person is removed from the job. They actively undermine other people's integrity and value through this. They complain nonstop about someone and have a very, very unreasonable attitude towards others. They believe that everyone is out to get them once you challenge them. It's very hard to have constructive conversations with these paranoid types. They constantly misjudge and misinterpret others through their perception of being attacked or devalued. Whatever you do, do not ignore the problem and prepare an exit strategy for these types of people. What you can do is avoid agreeing with their perceptions because it's easier. You may have to have very, very formal conversations with people witnessing these conversations to talk to them about digging into why they think this person is deliberately attacking them. And this isn't to eradicate those instances where it's true, Your job is to discover and dig down and work out if there is truth there so that you can take the appropriate action. So challenge the perceptions and defend your team members until you see the evidence is clear. Always investigate the issues and document this. Track and record the conflicts and complaints. So if there's never-ending conflicts and complaints from all areas, usually you look at who's in the middle of that hurricane and it's usually the paranoid. Record every bit of action you take. Support that person to get some personal support through the EAP programs or what you have in store and again be very very careful about how you are managing paranoid people but you would have seen some people they just don't get on with teams and they're much better probably working on their own you can look for those kinds of positions for them as long as they agree to have ongoing personal and professional development. How about our grudge holders? They're a bit like the paranoids, but they appear like a model employee or team member until they're challenged. And when they're held accountable, they just can't let it go and they become increasingly unstable, irrational or unreasonable. They hold that grudge and they don't move on. The axe they grind is that they are right and everyone else is wrong and they are highly manipulative. So they never forget, they reinterpret actions, conversations and information to support their grudge and they inflate and magnify issues over time. They can become very moody and irritable and rude. So rather than like with the paranoids where there is this direct conflict, visits constantly into your office that there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem and that as soon as that problem is or isn't resolved, they have a new one, this person has maybe be one issue and it may be with the organization or a training or some process and they become very moody and irritable and rude. They're just not pleasant to be around anymore. So they're hard to predict these people. So don't beat yourself up if you haven't seen them, action quickly as soon as the issue is clear and encourage mediation recording all responses. Again, the best thing is to sort of encourage them to take these issues to another area, be it professional or personal development in interpersonal skills, so they can learn to let go, discuss, resolve and move on. So don't get caught up in it. I think the term is to the grudge holders, look, we've looked at that, we've unpacked it, we've come to a resolution, it's time to move it on. I'm not prepared to continue to rehash this particular issue over and over again. Don't get caught up on the same gripe. Investigate all complaints of course because sometimes they're right and we can't assume just because they are identified as a grudge holder that they're not right. Don't ignore the problem and you may need to prepare an exit strategy for these people. Let's have a little look at the bottom feeders. These are the people that they identify the weakest link in the team and befriend them. So they're skirting around the kind of the loners, the people that aren't as connected or don't wish to be as connected in the teams as others. They feed others inaccurate information and start to create a state of confusion from the bottom upwards. They enjoy the power of creating chaos in teams and they use a lot of this when confronted. I don't know. It's not my fault. I'm not sure. They look at you kind of blankly to defuse taking any responsibility for mistakes or problems. So they've always got that look like, you know, when you say, well, how did this happen? They'll just shrug their shoulders and go, I don't know. They are not in the process of problem solving. They are in the process of confusion making. They won't take charge. They certainly don't want to be in a leadership position because then they'd be responsible and they play a bit of the victim and can be the person saying that they're not supported. What you can do with a bottom feeder is encourage responsibility by refusing to allow the diversion behaviours. Have clear task roles and expectations about them and remind them of their KPIs and the roles that they've agreed to when they were hired. Create a dialogue to explore how they can contribute differently. So instead of going, you know, I don't know what the problem is, it might be good for you to say, okay, well, you know what, I'm going to give you that problem and see how you can find a solution to it. So instead of saying, you're the one who caused this issue which they're going to deny say okay well it really doesn't matter I would like you to come up with a solution for it so don't let them duck and weave out of responsibility again encourage their professional and personal development people that we are listing these are 10 difficult people will not be able to move past these characteristics on their own obviously by the time they're in the workforce these are quite set behaviors and a part of their identity process You can buddy the bottom feeder with a stronger team member and that may stop entrenched patterns of behaviour by modelling and guidance. Again, don't ignore the problem and bottom feeders may need an exit strategy too. So if all else fails and they don't seem to be able to change their patterns of behaviour, you may need to let them go so they can find a workplace that they will really enjoy. These next group are called the uh, what the fox, the WTFs. So when you hire them, they are the best employee for the first year and then suddenly change. They become moody, irrational, um, threatening in a kind of legal way, minute you don't back them. So they go from being someone you relax with and have really enjoyed working with to probably the worst employee in the world. And the reason is that they just can't hold that personality, that behaviour longer than 10 to 12 months. They will hold you, your business and your information, your data, whatever, hostage and be very, very vengeful once they have decided that they don't want to work with you anymore or your business. They're unpredictable, they're damaging and they're very, very sneaky. So a lot of what you're seeing now, that very kind of irrational and moody kind of explosion has been building for quite some time. They're very legally savvy. This isn't the first time they've been down this path and they will certainly let you know it. They hide many concerning behaviours from others and try to make you look very, very unstable and they will blindside the business when angry or not worshipped in their role. These people are hard to predict because they do present as such a valuable employee but the best thing you can do is remove them from your business as soon as possible. Don't get in the habit of excusing the conduct or waiting for them suddenly to reappear. If there is no identifiable reason why their behaviour has become so dramatically different, you've got a WTF in your team. So take all protections and precautions for your team, your business information, your files, your documents, your consumers, your suppliers, and your sensitive information. I was talking to someone really recently who had hired a person for them and we were talking about this because it was twelve months down the track and this person has suddenly changed. They'd become really like another person and it was very confronting and scary for this person because they had access to everything about their startup business. And there was no real trigger other than the person felt that they weren't as valued as they wanted to be. And they'd also sort of taken on the business as if it was their own, like they'd taken on ownership a little bit. It was a very strange and confronting Experience for this person. Make sure you dot all your I's and T's. Lead no gaps for problems, especially of the legal type. And I would suggest you seek legal and HR advice very quickly on how to proceed. Reduce and limit their tasks and roles to protect your business and discuss the concerns with the person with a witness present always. Have everything in writing. Those ones definitely get an exit strategy up and rolling. Uh, Ninth, difficult personality that I've come across in my many years is the special ones and they feel completely justified in asking for more all the time. They expect special consideration and treatment. They believe their contribution to the business is unique and they have a perception that they are the only reason the business is doing well. They're very quick to tell you how valuable they are to the business. They don't play as a team. They're selfish, self-absorbed. They dominate meetings and they correct everyone. These people have a little bit of a grandiosity about them. Some would say a touch of the narcissism in uh, today's language. What you can do with the little special ones is avoid being guilted into giving. So don't feel that you have to give them special attention because they completely and constantly demand it. Enforce a fair and equitable process for everybody in your business assist in recognizing the contribution of others so make them identify how others are contributing all the time help them connect with the team culture and the benefits of being in a team and support again their professional development in team building particularly they've got a very strong voice but guide that strong voice into allowing others to speak so those kinds of things are quite easy it's like oh mary jane that was a really great addition to the topic i'm wondering how the rest of the team feels about that so it'd be into interrupting their flow a little bit in a positive way so that they don't over-dominate Using role models to effectively display what teamwork and connectedness is can often be very good for these people too. Special ones are just that. They want to feel very, very special. Generally, they can be kind of redirected and grow within a really good and healthy place. But if they refuse to acknowledge what everyone contributes and keep demanding that they're treated specially, you may need to help them find a job that they really will enjoy. Our last one as we round up our time now is the victim. The victim is your employee that flies under the radar regarding work input they have a lot of sick days and late starts and always an excuse why they have a lot of why's they can't get to work why they're sick why the work is late why it's not finished or why it's not adequate they feel very overwhelmed when completing just normal everyday tasks and hence a lot of that absence a lot of sick days they slow your workforce down by these delays and have a multitude of reasons why the completion is impossible in the time frame that you've asked. They avoid any professional development because they don't want to be challenged and they also avoid seeking help or advice. However, they are very quick to point out to everyone that they get no help or advice. So it has that kind of double-edged sword on that one. They are quick to use stress and feelings of being overwhelmed to avoid deadlines and manage tasks, which makes it a very precarious position for any management and leadership because you don't want to ignore what they're identifying as stress and being overwhelmed as real. But it's also in context about if they're continually at this level, then there's something going on. And our jobs are obviously to explore that. They will rely heavily on others to do the job and to support them. So what can we do for our 10th difficult personality? we can review the job description and capacity for them to actually do the job. So you may need to think, can they really do the job that they're paid for? Is there another job that they would be better suited to? You can modify parts of the job to measure their true ability and always try and promote success and confidence with these people. Underneath this victim, sick, can't do it kind of identity is somebody who really fears failure and has very low, low worth. Always require medical certificates for all absenteeism, so don't feed the beast by not making them accountable. Make sure you discuss your work ethics and expectations for them so they are very, very clear of what the job actually is that they've signed up for. Don't avoid addressing the problem. If they're away a lot, you need to ask them what's the matter. And it may be that they have a physical illness, but I'm talking, you know, over a pattern of behaviour over a period of time make sure you're checking whether their absence absent isn't impacting on other team members who are trying to pick up the work for them or are running behind as a result. Recognise that they may not have the emotional capacity to cope with the role and tasks that they've applied for and you've given them. And that's okay. Not everyone can do the job. A lot of people apply for jobs with an idealised version of themselves, but in the reality, it's not the job for them. Discover alternative ways to complete tasks with them. So look at how you can help and support them. And if all else fails, again, prepare an exit strategy for them. So you'll see through those 10 that a lot of them cross over, which is very human experience that we're not just one thing. We're a collection of many, many different traits and characteristics. And a few of you may think what the idea about an exit strategy, we've got to get over this idea that everyone we hire has to stay in the job. And as well, for all of you that are in a job, you don't have to stay there just because you applied for it doesn't mean it's the job for you. So if someone isn't working out well in your job, then have some discussions about expectations and start talking to them about what they want because maybe they thought the job was going to be something else. Maybe it isn't right for them. Maybe there's different ways you can support and help them grow. But if we don't have these discussions and we're not brave enough to challenge these kinds of difficult characteristics then what happens is it eats away at the teams and the culture and the business that we have and it can take a long time for a business to reset after the damage of a difficult person being left to run amuck in the business. So that's my 10 difficult people. I hope that has given some food for thought. Again, we always try to come from a lovely, compassionate place of, you know, we can all be a little bit like this. So it's not to point the finger and make someone feel worthless and devalued, but to identify with them and help them identify that some of their behaviors are really unhealthy and unhelpful and won't contribute to their career path or to the organization itself. So that's it for this session, if you would like a copy of these I'll put them up on the blog on sarahgodfrey.com.au My distraction for this week was that I took a week off work and I really tried to stay away from doing any work and any social media I did some work for the organisation that I co-chair which is Griefline Australia and I ran a training program and it was just so wonderful meeting these 51 incredible people who were giving up their time to support the community It just reminds me how valuable it is doing volunteer work and working in the non-for-profit sector as well. There's just so much you get out of being altruistic that it's hard to explain unless you've done it yourself. Don't forget to follow us and share us so that we can continue to do these podcasts. And I'm pretty sure our next podcast in a couple of weeks, the amazing Nikki Mackey will be back with us. So I'm really looking forward to that. For now, that's me. Thank you for listening and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Now if you enjoyed that or saw yourself reflected in any of those types don't forget at awaregroup.online that's awaregroup.online you can purchase each of those toxic types and learn how to reset them in your workplace as a leader or harness their secret skills, understand them better or even understand yourself better. So go to awaregroup.online dot online under the growth mindsets and discover how to reduce toxicity in your own life and workplaces. Thank you for listening to the Aware Podcast. And we really hope you enjoyed our guest's insight and the little quiz at the end, just for a bit of fun. Music for the Aware Podcast is by Tape Machine featuring Ella The song title is This Is Who I Am. If you would like to be a guest or contact us regarding the Aware platform, please email awarearcgroup at gmail.com. Dot com. That's aware, A-R-C, art, group, at gmail.com. We are Nikki Mackey and Sarah Godfrey. See you next time.